On this Saturday cast, how small actions can lead to big results and the permission to be yourself. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 414. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. This is the monthly Saturday cast. About once a month, I air a Saturday episode that's a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners. Uh, The next episode is still coming on Mondays. This is a bonus show. And the Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to create movement in their leadership development and organizational results. You can discover more and get alerted about opportunities to apply for the Academy by visiting coachingforleaders.com slash academy. Today, I am thrilled to be able to welcome one of our current Academy members, Bar Schwartz. Bar is a member of the Academy. She is also a software engineer by training, and today a consultant and coach who lives and works in Berlin. She helps leaders look differently at how they lead people to create meaningful work and building structures that put people first. Bar, I am so glad to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's so great to be here. So we have so much to talk about, about your journey with uh, not only your career, but also with coaching for leaders in the academy. But I think maybe it makes sense to go way back (laughs) to how things started. (laughs) You grew up in Israel. And one of the things you shared with me recently is that there was an expectation that you were going to go into software, which you did, and you were coding at eight years old, right? (laughs) That's true. Yeah, since I was a kid, I was very passionate about new things and technology. I was always trying to understand how software works, how computer works, how to solve problems using software. So I started studying coding when I was eight years old, and I was already making my first game and websites when I was in that age. Which leads to some of your story since, because a lot of times when people develop and really have that clear sense early on of what they want to do and the expectation, like they're down that path for their entire career. And yet you hit a point where you realized that that wasn't necessarily the right path for you. What happened? So I continued my uh, education in software engineering already in high school. I studied software engineering and I finished my uh, high school degree with the 10 points of uh, software engineering. Then uh, after the military service, service, which is mandatory for everyone in Israel, I went directly to college. And in college, I studied software engineering. So imagine my surprise (laughs) when I arrived to the workplace and my first job as an engineer, I didn't really like working in coding all day long. What I found much more interesting in the working environment was uh, talking to people, understanding their problems, understanding the challenges, understanding what makes great products, uh, understanding the customers. And very fast, I transitioned from being a software engineer to be a quality engineer. And I was working directly with the product managers and the designers to really figure out what makes product great. And that was kind of the beginning of my transition to a different direction because 
even as a quality engineer, I felt that it was very technical and I had to sit alone in front of my computer more, most of the day in order to do my work. And I felt that uh, what I really want to do is to spend all my time in those ideation sessions where we are figuring out what we need to build rather than actually sit and build it, which is not the best quality for an engineer, I would say. <laughs> But that transition was extremely hard because I was, I was good in what I was doing. And in every role that I was taking afterwards, usually I was kind of slowly directed by my manager or by the people that I was working with to take more technical tasks, to uh, design requirements, to build automation code, to be responsible for infrastructure and things that were very technical. What did you discover when you showed up in product management and took on roles like that? So that was the most funny part. Because I started my job as a product manager, sure that, okay, now I figure it out. <laughs> now I know what I want to do. Now uh, this is the role that I want to be in. And as a product manager, when I started working with my new team, I realized that I was much more attracted still to, to work with my engineering team on how to work better together and build uh, better organizational processes rather than actually designing the product requirements. Uh -huh. And I always wanted to work closer with the leadership. <laughs> And that was not really possible with the role that I was doing. So you're on this journey of getting into product management. It's not quite what you thought it would be. And I recall you telling me that you were talking to your boyfriend one evening <laughs> and he said, well, if you're trying to figure out what's next and get new ideas, maybe you should listen to podcasts. <laughs> and, and is that how you discovered Coaching for Leaders initially? Yeah, that was the, the funny part. So I was, I remember that I was in my first job after uh, finishing business school. I was uh, flying to Boston quite often because uh, the company had an office in Berlin and an office in Boston. And the flight from Berlin to Boston is more than eight hours. And I was, again, frustrated that I'm not happy with my job. And I, and, and I felt bad because I always liked the companies I was working for. And I just didn't like what I was doing on a day-to-day. -day. So my boyfriend said, well, listen to some podcasts. <laughs> There are so many podcasts. And I looked for um, coaching. And the first one that came up was coaching for leaders. And at the time, I was a product manager. I didn't consider myself as a leader. And I said, well, maybe I will become a leader if I will be coached for leaders. <laughs> <laughs> so I started listening to the podcast. And I listened to one episode when you mentioned the book, uh, Crucial Conversations. And I figured that a lot of the issues I was having in my job at the time is setting up boundaries, telling people what I want, because I'm a very agreeable person. So I was always trying to make things work for others, but not really making it work for me. So I was listening to the crucial conversations on Audible, and I was listening to it the whole flight, and I thought, ooh, that was a really good book. So what kind of more information can you give me in the podcast? So I ended up downloading eight hours of Coaching for Leaders episodes, and I was listening to that all the way back from Boston <laughs> to Berlin. <laughs> It was a night flight. So funny. <laughs> and you mentioned identity a moment ago, and one of the things you've shared with me before is that you didn't consider yourself to be a leader. 
earlier on in your career, and that now you do, and you've you've made that shift in your mind, and you you told me you had latched onto that phrase that I say at the beginning of the show. You know, leaders aren't born; they're made. What has changed your thinking on that? Leaders, I think for me, I changed my understanding of what leadership is about. Because the way that I grew up, I grew up in a culture that is more hierarchical. And it's true that uh, we are all one big family, but still there is very clear understanding of the chain of command. If you have a boss, you do what your boss tells you to do. And I thought that this is what leadership is. And I thought that leadership is about providing answers and tell you what to do so you can follow instructions or directions. And as I listened to the podcast, I figured leadership is putting people first. It's about understanding who are the people that you serve as a leader. It's about understanding where they can grow and develop. It's about understanding what will enable them to to do a good quality work and uh, be more effective in the way that they work. It's about enabling others. And if this is what leadership is about, this is what I do all day long. I try to figure out what would work better for the people that I serve. And naturally, once I stopped trying to put labels on myself that I need to be the leader telling people what to do, and I try to be a coach to the people in my team and really identify where can I help them to grow. My team loves me. <laughs> At least that's what they tell me, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, I think that uh, we are able to create much better results together because I feel so much more connected to them. I put people in the place where they can create the highest amount of value. And I'm so proud when they become greater than me. Because it's not about me. It's about creating great companies, creating, creating great product, creating great processes. It's about creating value. It's really not about me as a person. Yeah, I, I hear that and what you're saying. And I, I think it's been a really big shift. I think there was a time that having all the answers was a place of leadership for a lot of people in a lot of organizations. And with the complexity of the world we're in now and then the digital age and where answers are everywhere online, that leadership has become so much more about the questions, right? And of empowering yes. others. So it's uh, so exciting to hear you tell your story and have gone down that journey as so many of us have over the last you know, couple of decades as our careers have changed and as the world has changed around us of, of making that shift. It's a, it's a really important shift for us to make as leaders. Yeah, and I think that my coaching studies really enabled me there because I'm the type of person that like talking. <laughs> so I like giving answers. I like being the superhero. I like being the smartest person in the room. So it was so hard for me to stop being consultant and become a coach and ask questions. I didn't even know what I should ask. And then when I went through my coaching training, I figured, oh, it's actually not as hard to find the questions if you listen. Um, and, and now I actually do coach other leaders to do the same and even coaching like conversations and actually take away the fear of putting the coach title because everyone can call themselves a coach, but how many people actually coach? And also 
every leader is being told you're supposed to coach your people, but nobody tells them how they're expected to do that. Or they go into two days training and that's not enough because they're not getting the experience of really having those type of conversations and actually see the shift and the value that they create in the people that they lead in that way. They, it's a, it's a long-term result. It's not something that you see immediately because if I just tell you the solution now, you're good to go. You just go. But if I ask you questions, you might have the solution in a week. Not everyone is willing to wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, okay. Fascinating. <laughs> So all of this, all of this, this journey you were on bef- before you and I even connected. And so you had applied to the academy. We talked, we had a conversation about the academy during your application. And one of the things you shared with me recently is that when you applied for the academy and we're kind of going through the, the process, that there was actually some confusion for you that came up. What, what was it that caused confusion? <laughs> so... I went through a lot of uh, classical education. I did a bachelor degree in software engineering, and I also did a master degree in management and also a coaching studies, which was an academy because it was two years of intensive uh, education in coaching. So when I heard Leadership Academy, I initially thought, I'm going to go into an academy and Dave is going to be my teacher. <laughs> We're going to have like a clear <laughs> curriculum of how I'm going to become a good leader. And I felt like eh, that's, not exactly, <laughs> that's not exactly what I, I wanted out of the academy. I was kind of, when I was listening to your podcast, I felt the strong need to, to be able to, to talk to people about the same things that you were talking about in your show. I felt like I needed a community. I needed to be able to talk to you. I even wrote you a few emails at the time. Uh, I felt like uh, the people that were on the show, they share similar mindsets. So that will just be great to be coached by someone that has that mindset. And if you're there and other people that are sharing the same mindset are there, that would be something that I would be interested in. But then what scared me was if we're going to have a clear curriculum, then it's not going to be very engaging for me because it will just become to, you will be talking about key concepts and I will be listening. And, and then I wouldn't really get the connection aspect that I was looking for. <laughs> it's so funny, like, you know, <laughs> how we choose words, like for anything we create in life. And sometimes it completely projects the wrong <laughs> message of what we intended, right? I, I I do remember you and I having that first conversation where you're like, so what is this curriculum like? And 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 I was like, well, there's not a curriculum. <laughs> you know, it's a space. It's a space for community. And I could just see the look of relief in your face. <laughs> of, of, oh, this is great. It's a huge, it's a ton of structure, of course, but it's really a space where people come together and collaborate. And as you've been in that space now for eight, nine months, what's been most helpful to you? Oh, yeah, it was, it was crazy how when you told me, oh, there is no curriculum, I was like, Phew. And I remember also that you asked me, would that be okay for you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so, because that was my only concern. And what I really found useful is that it's true that it's not one-on-one personal coaching, but this small group that we have, we have uh, eight people in our class. Yes, um, uh, seven. Yeah, seven or eight with seven, me. Yeah. Eight with you. 
And we are a very small group. And the way that you assign people to the group, that's amazing because you kind of found so many similarities that we all share in terms of also personality because we did the DISC model and other personality assessments in the initial of the class. And we also share kind of similar problems at work or challenges. I wouldn't call it problems because it's mostly challenges. And we kind of really complement each other on, on the things that uh, each one of us bring to this journey. And what you, you do amazingly is you, you all that space for us uh, to, to go through. In each session, there is a clear focus. So we are not super... The problem with brainstorming, for example, is that uh, normally people just come to a room and say, okay, let's bra brainstorm about something. And they don't really put a clear box or a clear question that we're trying to brainstorm on. So we spent two hours talking to each other and we went out of the room without having any type of solution. But in, in the type of sessions that we have in the academy, it's very clear what the outcome should be. And it's very clear how the conversation is, is in our control. So we, we have a lot of ability to, to influence where we take each session. But at the same time, we have this box where we can be creative in and we can really uh, support each other on those different challenges. Uh, at the same time, yeah, it's, it's structured and unstructured in the same way. And also the type of journey that you put us on is very incremental. It takes us back to this movement, which is we, we don't just start by taking this huge leap of faith. We start by taking this very small step that each one can imagine themselves doing. And we started by first figuring out what is the direction that we even want to go by writing a vision. Then we took that vision and we took what is the first thing that we can do right now, tomorrow, to start going to that direction. You know, it's it's interesting because you know there, there's a time and a place for a really good curriculum, right? Especially if you're early and doing something, you don't have a lot of experience professionally in it. There's a time and a place for that. And most of the people who show up in our academy or apply for it, they've done all that. And so I go on the assumption that rather than creating case studies and creating an artificial framework of let's just do what's real life and let's actually focus our time there. And to your point, there's still a lot of structure though. And one of the structures is the 90-day commitment that we have everyone latch onto of taking those incremental steps like you talked about earlier. And you did decide that you wanted to do some, just get some ideas down and start to do some writing. So as you got into this 90-day commitment and set this commitment, what did it look like? Like, What was the genesis of that? And then what did you decide to do? Yeah. So first of all, you helped me a lot in actually figuring out how that first step would look like. And I decided at the time that I will write just a few ideas on paper every day on the way to the train. And I remember that initially when I thought about it, it sounded a bit weird to take that as a commitment. But for me, it was considering that consistency is my last try and my strength finder. Being consistent about writing things down and taking it out from my head, which is full with ideas, and putting it down on paper so I can share it with others and start doing that consistently. It was a big shift in my direction from being the consumer 
to being the producer of those ideas ah. because, because I realized that when I talk one-on-one with people, they usually give me this look of they're very inspired or they, they think that my ideas are very valuable. Or when I was doing my coaching, a lot of my peer coaches were stopping the coaching and like, I just need to write down what you just said. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not saying that all of my ideas are great, but sometimes I have a few that are good. And I figured that the majority of those ideas, they either come during a conversation or they usually come when I walk to the train on the, in the morning. And at some point I also figured that they are repeatable. They are just coming again and again and again. So as long as I don't write it down and I release it to the world, they keep coming back. And I wanted to be able to express it in a language that other people understand. So I can also figure out who are the people that I can connect the most to, people that are believing the same things that I believe, or maybe I can just support someone by providing them my specific perspective because I have my unique experience, which is different than others, like anyone. And I would be curious to hear about other people's perspectives. So I thought, why wouldn't I share mine? Uh. And I started by really just writing down this one sentence, one sentence per day. And at some point it evolved, (laughs) evolved dramatically. Yeah, it did. And you mentioned a moment ago that it felt weird to set that as a commitment, to like write down a sentence on the way to the train since you identified that that was the time of day that ideas showed up. What felt weird? Because, and that brings us to something else that we we talked about a lot. I have the tendency to always want to take very big steps. It's not enough to to say I'm going to write one sentence per day. It's always, I need to write a book or I need to write all article. I need to write 500 pages it will never it doesn't feel that if it's not big it's not it's not good enough and then when we said well it's not really about doing those big things burn myself out and and then not do it ever again it's really about doing the the smallest thing that i can do consistently and if that means that i can write one sentence every day to do on the way to the train that's the most consistent thing that i can do great. Then I do that. I just do one sentence per day. And I actually did start it by just writing one sentence per day. And until today, I'm still writing one sentence per day, even though I evolved and I, and I actually ended up taking all of those different sentences, writing it into an article, sharing it on our academy group, uh, which I got really great feedback. And one of our academy members said, oh, you should write a book with those type of stories. And I said, oh, I actually have a lot of those. And I ended up making it into a book because those one sentence a day, they just connected in a certain way. And it created a whole model, which enabled me to write the book that I wrote. So the funny part of this is we had an academy session and, and you had written this article and we had talked about it a bit. And then you show up two weeks later for our next session, and you literally have a book written. <laughs> the entire book. <laughs> and we're all like, wow, it's amazing. And you know, it goes back to what you just said a moment ago. And you hit on something that for me, I find is the thing that I am doing more so than anything else as the facilitator of the academy, is so many of us who show up in this community, you listen to the show, tend to be high achievers. 
and we want to take really big steps and we want to achieve big things. And if we can't achieve something big, we're not going to even bother starting. And yet, the way that we achieve something big is by starting and taking those small steps every day. And you wrote a sentence a day, and in a couple of months, it showed up as a book. And I just think that that's really incredible that you were willing to discipline yourself to just spend a couple of minutes because it wasn't about the goal. It was about changing your identity of how you looked at how you showed up at creating ideas. Yeah, I think I didn't see myself as a writer. I always thought I'm not able to write that much. I was, I maybe I am able to write a paper or a thesis or I, I didn't really see myself as a writer. I thought I'm really good in talking, but I'm not so good in putting it down on paper. And I was actually always traumatized when people asked me, can you prepare a document to summarize this information or that information? I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's too much. I cannot sit down and focus myself to do something like that. And when Reagan said on Slack that that could be a book, it was kind of inspiring to me that she liked it so much to be willing to consider a book that looks like that. And I said, if this can look like a book, then this is something I can do. And that's something that I could imagine and I could just do. And what's funny about it is that since I started doing that in the academy, I was also able to do that in other areas in my life. Because I started by really narrowing down what is the actual thing that I want to do and how can I do the smallest thing that I can do consistently. So same with my job for an agile coach. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because what we teach and what we coach our teams is to break things down into very small incremental steps. This is what agile is about. Build the smallest thing that create value and iterate on that. So you can get feedback and then you can, you can decide what you're going to do with it. And I think that in many situations, what we consider is the smallest thing that create value is such a big thing because we are, uh, most of us are uh, very ambitious or very performance driven. And we think if I just write one sentence a day, that's not enough. Or if I just build this one small thing in the software, just with this one button in the website, that's not interesting or that doesn't create value enough. And what I discovered is that if you can really narrow it down to this one smallest thing that you can do, it's much easier to, to create more consistent movement. And yeah. I am able today to do that with the people in my team. And, and it's funny because the people in my team, the other agile coaches, they are always the big people, like big things. They want to do more. They want that we, because we are coaches. So we always want to create more value. We always want to, to bring more ideas and we can do this and we can do that workshop and we can do that, uh, uh, that change and that change and we can introduce this and we can introduce that. And what usually happens is that you have a change fatigue. Like people don't want to change anything because you introduced so many new things already. And what I learned during the academy is to start telling my people, let's narrow it down, let's do less, less is more, less changes, less ideas. We start with this one thing, we see how it goes, then we decide if we're going to do it again, or we decide if we're going to change it. Uh, one example was that we had this one workshop that was supposed to be a day workshop for all people in the company that I currently work for. And once they did it once, uh, they realized, well, that doesn't really make sense because people come 
with different backgrounds and some of them have more understanding than others, which is totally normal. And we thought that it would be a great way for people to connect because they will get to, to meet people from other departments. And we thought that the content is simple enough for people to connect over that. But it was actually the opposite because we still had a very different understanding and people were not re re really connecting over it. And if we were just planning ahead all those really big things, we were not giving each other the place to adjust. Yeah. And what you describe about Agile and how it's about the incremental movements and changes, I meant so much about human behavior too. It's making those those incremental changes with an eye on, of course, the long-term vision where we want to go, the big stuff, right? I think back to what David Allen said when he was on the show a few years ago talking about getting things done. He said, you know, people have two problems. One is the where you're going. And the second problem is where's the next step. And yeah. if you know the vision of where you're going, then then it it's really, okay, what's the next step that we need to take today? And it's not easy, but it's simple. And if we can really apply that simplicity with some consistency, we can move some mountains. So yeah. uh, you have been so gracious to just make the book available to anyone who wants it. So we're going to go ahead and link to it here in the show notes. For those who are interested, uh, would you be up for sharing a bit about what the book's about? Yeah. The main focus on the, of the book is the ACE model, which is autonomy, capability, and emancipation. It's a book for leaders that uh, want to change the way that they look on leadership. And they want to create change in the company through bringing their people along. So how do you actually bring people along on a transformation journey? What are the different key themes that you should consider when you are onboarding someone or bringing that person along to ensure that they are able to work autonomously? Well, thank you so much for making the book available to all of us in our community. I so appreciate it a ton. I know those who decide to check it out will as well. And you know, we're all learning community together. And so my invitation to all of you, if you download the book, we'll put it on the show notes for this episode. Also, I'll have a link to it in this week's weekly leadership guide for those of you who received that. And if you decide to download the book, my invitation to you would be to reach out to Barr. We'll have her LinkedIn profile linked up here as well in those places and let her know what was useful to you from her writing. I think that'd be just a wonderful gift that you could give back to her. And I know one of the things I found so valuable, Barr, is uh, hearing from folks what works and what doesn't from the things we do on the show. And so we'll help you get ready for edition two and edition three of the book and the next mm -hmm. books to come. So thank you so much Definitely. for sharing it. Thank you so much. And I would love to connect to people that found that, that book useful for them. And also, if you struggle to implement the model, also reach out because one, I will be able to update the book for future people. What you struggle with probably will be something that other people struggle with too. So I'm happy to hear, happy to clarify things that are not clear, and also happy to support you if you want to implement it and you want to be coached in it. Thank you also for the permission you've given us to be yourself. And I think that that is something that is an area that I know I struggled with a lot of my career. And you've been down that journey as well too, Barra, and you've used so many of these 
tools and resources to do that. So thank you so much for the gift you've given us on and the challenge to do that. And now I have a question for you. As you have listened to today's conversation, where you know, are you willing to take the next step as well? Maybe it is checking in on Barr's book, and maybe it's starting off with just activating your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. Uh, if you haven't, uh, activating your free membership will give you access to the entire episode library since 2011, searchable by topic, plus access to my weekly leadership guide, my personal library, the free audio course, and tons more. You can activate your membership right now just by going to coachingforleaders.com. That'll give you access to all that, including uh, the weekly leadership guide where we'll have the links to uh, everything we've talked about with Bar today. And uh, the Saturday cast was brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. If you'd like to discover more about the Academy and get alerted about opportunities to apply for membership, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy, or you can just click the Academy button on the top of the website. Thank you so much for listening and see you on Monday for the next regular episode. Have a great weekend. Take care.